Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 5 of Genesis chapter 10. We're continuing to look at Nimrod, and we're going to be reading from Genesis 10, verse 8. And Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before Jehovah. Wherefore, it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before Jehovah. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Akkad, and Kalna, in the land of Shinar. Well, in our last couple of studies, we've seen that Nimrod is a figure of the apostate church, as well as perhaps Satan himself, because the Lord stresses he was a mighty hunter. And we've seen that the enemies of God hunt for the precious life. They um, they hunt the people of God as Saul hunted and pursued after David. And Satan goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He hunts the people of God. And we also saw that Nimrod can be viewed as a type and figure of Satan because of the kingdom that he was king over. If a kingdom is founded, then normally there is a king. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel or Babylon. And Babylon in the Bible is a picture of the kingdom of Satan. And the king of Babylon is a type and figure of Satan himself. And and so Nimrod does qualify as a type and figure of Satan. And we were looking at the word Shinar because Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kalna were all in the land of Shinar. And we saw in Daniel... Uh, chapter 1, that uh, l- let me read that. Begin with in Daniel 1, verse 2, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, that's Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon's hand, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. So there is a close identification between Shinar and Babylon, similar to the Chaldeans, as we we read again and again, uh, as God speaks of Babylonians or Chaldeans and and their synonyms. Well, Shinar also is tied very definitely to Babylon. And in our last study, we were looking at Zechariah chapter 5. Zechariah is that Old Testament book that comes very close to the end of the Old Testament, only Malachi follows it. And Zechariah is also one of the most difficult books in the Bible. When we read this book, there's much we do not know. But 
the language of Zechariah 5 is fairly clear concerning a flying roll. And, and of course, that's the imagery God is using to point to his word. It was a scroll that had the ability to cut off on one side and cut off on the other side, like the word of God is a two-edged sword. And we also saw in verse 4 of Zechariah 5, I will bring it forth, this playing role that typifies the word of God, saith Jehovah of hosts, and it shall enter into the house of the thief. Jeremiah 7, verses 8 through 11, describes Judah as a den of robbers, or the corporate church, as a place where there is spiritual robbery taking place. And so the house of the thief is the apostate corporate church. And into the house of him that sweareth falsely by my name, and shall remain in the midst of his house, and shall consume it with the timber thereof and the stones thereof. The word of God is that which brings judgment upon the house of God. Well, we're going to pick up here in verse 5 of Zechariah 5. Then the angel that talked with me went forth and said unto me, Lift up now thine eyes, and see what is this that goeth forth. And I said, What is it? And he said, This is an ephah that goeth forth. He said, Moreover, this is the resemblance through all the earth. And behold, there was lifted up a talent of lead, and this is a woman that sitteth in the midst of the ephah. And he said, This is wickedness, and he cast it into the midst of the ephah, and he cast the weight of lead upon the mouth thereof. And we wonder, well, what what's this about? Well, we're going to take a look at this word ephah, it's Strong's number 374 in the Hebrew, in, in Strong's Concordance. You can look it up and see how it's used. And we find that it really is a word that God uses often to represent the gospel, to represent the truth of the word of God, the Bible. Uh, for instance, we read in Leviticus 19, beginning in verse 35, says ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. And judgment in the scriptures is synonymous with statutes and laws and commandments, the word of God. He shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, in meat yard, in weight, or in measure. Just balances, just weights, a just ephah and a just hen shall ye have. I am Jehovah your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe all my statutes and all my judgments and do them. I am Jehovah. So we see how the Lord speaks of uh, do no unrighteousness in judgment to begin with in verse 35, and he closes it. In verse 37, by saying, you shall observe all my statutes and my judgments to do them. That's the word of God. Yet, in between, he speaks of measurements, of being just in weight and measure and balance. And and he uh, mentions weights again. And 
you know, uh, yes, there is a certain aspect to this that applies to people who deal with weights and measurements. And, and even in the world today, there's departments of weights and measurements. When you go to get a gallon of gas at the pump, you'll, you'll see a little sticker on the gas pump saying it's been inspected by the Department of Weights and Measurements or Weights and Measures. They make sure that uh, when people pay for a gallon of gas, they receive a gallon of gas. We have weights and measures just just all over the place. So when we go to um, the supermarket or to the deli, uh, we, we buy a pound of cheese and a pound of ham and a pound of turkey, and they set the price. This is our price for the pound. Okay. Now, what if you bought a pound of turkey and you received three quarters of a pound? Well, you would be upset because you paid for a pound. Yet, maybe their scale was off, or maybe, in some cases, the owner of the deli He wants to make a little bit more profit. And so he figures out, well, if I don't give quite a pound and and I do this to enough people, I'm going to make so much money. And that's unjust. It's illegal. And yes, God has given laws, even in that area, that basically states when you buy a can of something or a, or a loaf of bread and they tell you the ounces that this item contains, it should be accurate. And the, the world understands that. But more than that, God is speaking of the matter of not doing wrong or being unrighteous in judgment concerning his statutes, concerning the word of God, the Bible. And the Bible is just like, uh, you know, in a spiritual way or on a spiritual level, it is very similar to the idea of you, you want a pound of a certain meat and the price is so and so. And, and so it's a, an accurate and just transaction. Okay. You get exactly what you paid for. But false gospels are not so. False gospels, it's like they have their finger on the scale or like a talent of lead that we read about in Zechariah 5 that's placed in the ephah. In Deuteronomy 25, we read, beginning in verse 13, Thou shalt not have in thy bag divers weights, a great and a small. Oh, you see, here somebody wants to buy something, and, and they didn't have the kind of electronic scales we have today, the electronic measurements we have available today. They had a bag of weights, and... All right, let's, uh, I want a certain um, amount of this item this merchant man is selling. Very well, let me take out my bag of weights. And 
in all probability there would have been a standard of some kind, even in ancient times, that this is the proper weight. But he would have a great and a small. And sometimes when it would benefit him, he would use the great weights. And sometimes to benefit in another way, he would use the small weights. And and in both cases, he's defrauding. He's deceiving the person. And that's where it relates to false gospels. Thou shalt not have in thy bag divers' weights, a great and a small. Thou shalt not have in thine house divers' measures. And here, the word divers' measures is our word ephah, 374. You, you shall not have diverse ephah, a great and a small. But thou shalt have a perfect and just weight, a perfect and just ephah, measure. That's the same word again, it's translated measure. And a perfect and just measure, or ephah, shalt thou have, that thy days may be lengthened in the land which Jehovah thy God giveth thee. Now what does having perfect weights and just measures or ephahs have to do with a length of days or, or having your days lengthened? And, of course, it, it would identify with the true, faithful, righteous, just gospel, the true, righteous, just word of God, the Holy Bible. It's called holy because it's pure and right and perfect. The Bible gives nothing but just weights and measures and accurate balances. You know, when the Bible weighs a sinner, it, it finds fault and guilt and demands satisfaction. Payment for sin must be made on that scale. And when men come along with other kinds of gospels and they say, yes, yes, here is what the Bible says regarding your sin. You must have payment for sin. But here, and they pull out their bag of weights, great and small, deceitful weights. Here is how you can get right, how you can obtain an even balance with God and and be justified in his sight by doing this, 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 steps A, B, C, walk down the aisle, say the sinner's prayer, accept Christ, be baptized, do this, do that, work, 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 and immediately they falsified the balance. And that's what the Bible tells us in Amos chapter 8, in verse 5, we read there, saying, When will the new moon be gone that we may sell corn, and the Sabbath that we may set forth wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel great, and falsifying the balances by deceit? It's another kind of gospel that Israel of old got involved with. Another kind of gospel that the New Testament churches and congregations got involved with. They became deceitful in their their merchandise, as God does liken the gospel to merchandise in Isaiah 55. 
come, buy wine and milk without price and without money. And and so the churches deal in the merchandise of the gospel, which is dealing in the word of God, and they do so as deceitful merchantmen that are falsifying balances. In Proverbs 11, it says in verse 1, A false balance is abomination to Jehovah, but a just weight is his delight. The truth, the, the faithful teaching of the Bible over against that which is a lie, that which has perverted grace. And, and well, you know, we know today in the church world, it, it is nothing but a false balance. There, there is no salvation and, and there hasn't been salvation for many, many years now, since 1988. And, and so it's all false balance within the church and there is no righteous dealings taking place. Now we're helped to understand the weight and what it represents in the scale in Proverbs 16, verse 11. It says there a just weight and balance are Jehovah's. All the weights of the bag are his work. And immediately we see why God is so concerned about this. Because the weights, the balances, have to do with the gospel, with God's salvation program. And how is it possible for a sinner to become saved? We're saved by the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And faith is a work. We're saved by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, his work demonstrated his faith. And so all the weights of the bag in the spiritual scale are his work. On one hand, you have a desperately wicked sinner. Someone who is corrupt and just his heart is flowing forth. It's gushing iniquity. And he's under the wrath of God, and and the law of God demands satisfaction. The law demands justice. The law demands payment. Payment must be made, and it must be a just payment for the sin that the individual has committed, and the wages of sin is death. That's the law's demand. And all of the weights of the bagger, his work. Christ did the work. It was his faith of dying for the sins of his elect at the foundation of the world and making payment which satisfied the law's demand. And, and, and so that's the weight. In the bag, it's the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you find an individual, a sinner, a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner, unrighteous in, in all things, 
and subject to the wrath of God and in the day of salvation when God would bring his word into the life of that individual and save him through the hearing of the word, then it was as though the weight of the bag, the just weight of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ was placed on the scale and there was payment made. There there was uh, a proper, righteous, and just transaction performed between the Lord Jesus and the law of God, and, and we have been redeemed. We, at that point, are bought with a price. We become God's own. He has purchased us, and he owns us, which, of course, the child of God is grateful for, but that is the proper weight and balance. But again, the other kinds of Gospels do not put Christ's works on that scale, but they put the work of the individual. They put the work of accepting Christ on the scale. And then they say, this is the proper transaction. The law satisfied. God's justice is satisfied. The, the wrath of God is satisfied because you have accepted Christ. That is, you have done a work. And, and God says, no, no, that's falsifying the balances by deceit. That is unacceptable. We read in Micah chapter 6, in verse 11, where the Lord says, Shall I count them pure with the wicked balances and with the bag of deceitful weights? That is, it's not his work, the Lord Jesus' work in the bag. It's anything but. It's a thousand of man's works, and that's nothing. It never measures up. It never is able to make payment, proper payment, it is robbery. And the church has become a den of thieves as a result. And remember how angry the Lord Jesus Christ was when he overturned the tables of the money changers because they were merchandising in the gospel in the sense of uh, falsely doing so and, and not giving proper weights and balances. Well, let, let's go back to Zechariah. In Zechariah 5, and again it says in verse 7, And behold, there was lifted up a talent of lead, and this is a woman that sitteth in the midst of the ephah. And he said, This is wickedness. And he cast it into the midst of the ephah, or into the midst of the measure, and he cast the weight of lead upon the mouth thereof. Now, has the weight of lead changed the amount that that ephah weighs? Yes, yes, because it's heavy. It's a weight. And and therefore, you're, you're not dealing honestly. You're dealing falsely. Then in verse 9, Then lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, there came out two women, and the wind was in their wings, for they had wings like the wings of a stork. And they lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heaven, 
Then said I to the angel that talked with me, Whither do these bear the ephah? And he said unto me, To build it a house in the land of Shinar, and it shall be established and set there upon her own base. And then the chapter ends, and, you know, for thousands of years, people could read this and wonder, what in the world is God talking about? Yet, we understand it very well, because we can see that God has ended the church age, and the Lord, at the beginning of the Great Tribulation, loosed Satan, and Satan, his kingdom is typified by Babylon, and the king of Babylon typifies Satan. And God loosed him to overcome the camp of the saints. And he, as it were, annexed the corporate church. And the church became part of the kingdom of Satan, Babylon. And, and so, here is this wicked ephah, this ephah that's a false weight because it has a weight of lead upon it. And it is set up and established in the land of Shinar, in Babylon, which is basically telling us that the New Testament churches and congregations, all the churches in all the world, became Babylon. Well, uh, I think we've spent enough time on uh, Shinar, and we can see how Nimrod who has the beginning of his kingdom in Babylon, in the land of Shinar, does relate to the kingdom of Satan. Lord willing, in our next study, we'll continue on here in Genesis 10. Um, it, it's not an easy chapter because it there's genealogies mixed in with some of these statements, but it is a very interesting chapter. And, and so please join us in our next Bible study in the book of Genesis. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.